Are you ready? Are you ready? We will build a great wall along the southern border. Buenos Diaz, Americanos. It is the loftiest party. Uh, you have found it. The best radio station that the internet can give away for free. <laughs> we have a great show for you today. Uh, we got Stacy Lennox here. Stacy, say hello. Hello. Back in the Georgia bunker. Back in the Georgia bumper, you had a little, uh, I said the Georgia bumper, I don't give a dang. Uh, you had a little excursion this week. We gotta talk about that. We've also got from, uh, our Los Angeles bureau, we got Andrew Apple. I literally live in a place where there's a taco truck on every corner. Dude, we are going to talk about that. We are going to talk about that. There's so much to cover this week. But since you brought it up, let's talk about the taco truck on every corner, shall we? I'm all for that. Wait, Stacey, are you all for talking about it or are you all for a taco truck on every corner? I am all for a taco truck on every corner. Thank you. Okay, now hold on. Hold the phone. There are a lot of corners, okay? (laughs) If there's a taco truck on every corner... Mm-hmm. A lot of those are not going to be taco trucks. A lot of you know, those are like, I've seen E.T., I've seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the government will disguise shit as like a Baskin-Robbins truck. If there was literally a taco truck on every corner, you'd be freaking right the fuck out. Okay, you know, if half of them, like maybe some could be Mediterranean food and, and some could uh-huh. be, I don't know, uh-huh. Indian food, but here's my thing, I love food trucks. Food trucks, the way they are, like, they used to be really gross, but right. the elevation of the food truck to a culinary experience is one of my favorite things. Okay, so, the guy's statement rings true. If there was a taco truck on every corner, it would be frightening. It would be <laughs> frightening. Now, if there was, like, a taco truck on one corner, and then, like, a mac and cheese truck on another corner, and this, ooh. Mac and cheese truck. Ooh. Go to um, go to the Loftus Party Instagram. I posted a picture of uh, Mr. Softy. Mm. <laughs> now, yeah, Michael, which, that's a throwback. I, I don't know if a lot of people outside of New York know what Mr. Softy is. Can can you share that wonderfulness with our listeners? Mr. Softy is some kind of like like soft serve ice cream. It is one of the best finds I've had. Been I've been in New York now uh, since June. And I just discovered, uh, Mr. Softy. Somebody got a food truck and they sent it to the studio. Uh, and it was a Mr. Softy truck. And holy crap. They had one thing that was kind of disturbing, uh, Andrew Apple. What's that? You know how Mac- McDonald's has that, that chocolate, uh, it's like a hard shell. Oh, it's a yeah. Cho- right? Yeah. They had that, but it was cherry. And I found that to be like, just deeply disturbing. <laughs> yeah, that's like, a little Jurassic Park. Like, just because you can't make it doesn't be- mean you should. That's exactly right. <laughs> it is the Velociraptor of ice cream dips. I did not, I did not care for it at all. However, Mr. Softy is, uh, is quite delicious. I like me the Mr. Softy. I like the Carvel or Carvel, whatever the heck you, you call just it. just like those chocolate crunchy things in the middle. Holy crap, that stuff is good. So that, well, here's what I'm saying. My point has been made. If there was a taco truck on every corner, something's up. Something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. However, if we have alternating food trucks on every corner, well, that'd be wonderful, right? Yes. Well, absolutely, because do you know what town makes the best use of food trucks I have ever seen? Who? Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Asheville, North Carolina. I have to call bull****. 
shit on this I'm one. I'm telling Go you. Ahead. They have all these microbrews, right? And so, you know, if you own a restaurant, you're making all your margin on liquor. You are. That's where you're making all your margin, unless you're in an outburger. But so instead <laughs> of opening food, instead of opening food establishments along with their microbrews, they alternate food trucks that drive up and are the food truck of the day. Oh, Stacy, you, you have to go to Los Angeles. You, you have to go to. I don't have to go to Los Angeles. Oh, you do for food no, trucks. No, if you are, if, if you are into food trucks. I love me a food truck. Every once in a while, little neighborhoods, food trucks will just descend on like, say, Burbank. Like well, one little hunk of Burbank. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, awesome. like locusts and there's grilled cheese and there's beer and there's hamburgers and there's french fries and it, it's, it's all kinds of wonderfulness. Oh, yeah. No, food trucks are excellent. However, can we agree, if there was a taco truck on every corner, we would all find that deeply disturbing? Yeah, but every corner, yeah. But if we had a lot of taco trucks, I'd be all right with it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) A lot of taco... See, nobody nobody has a, a problem with a lot of taco trucks. What I have a problem is a taco truck on every corner. Every corner. There'd be That's four in my neighborhood. So I'm gonna i I'm gonna support that dude. Okay. That's what I love. I love it when like people say, Oh, he wasn't because they're because the thing is, he said a taco truck on every corner and they weren't oh, okay, so he wasn't speaking metaphorically. You're gonna try to paint this guy to be an idiot to say he said it literally. Well, let's go down that fucking road. Like look <laughs> around your neighborhood. There's a shit ton of corners, you ass munch. If there was a taco truck on every corner, you'd be freaking right the hell out. And and to be fair, we should quote him directly. He did say, you're going to have taco trucks every corner. English is not his first language. He forgot on every corner. Taco trucks every corner? That's what I'm going to give that to him. That's a colloquial. Is that, how they, is, is that Long Island Spanish? That is Long Island, uh, Long Island Spanish for that's how people talk. Did you really just use colloquial? Colloquial? I think you have I the did. five dollar word. You have the five dollar word this podcast. Word yeah, that's the that's the super big Harvard room. Uh, Harvard uh, word you use in the writers' room when people are like, well, that doesn't. That's not grammatically correct. And you're like, it's how people talk. Oh, you mean it's colloquial? And I can never pronounce it right. Colloquial. It sounds like I got salt and stock on the back of my throat. <laughs> colloquial. <laughs> That's also your okay. Forrest Gump impression. Uh, my mama told me I know what love is, Jenny. I love that movie. I love me the Forrest. So do Gump. I. That's one of three movies. If I'm scanning the channels, that I just stop and watch. Ooh, ooh. What are the other two? Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Yes. And Lean on Me. Huh. Morgan Lean on Freeman, me. I love that movie. Really. I love. Okay. Morgan Freeman, I agree with nothing he does politically, but I love me some Morgan Freeman in the cinema environment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, what are your three movies? Your three movies that when they're on TV, you stop and you watch. All right. So I, I got a ditto Shawshank, and then okay. we've got uh, Godfather, and then we've got Singing in the Rain. Really? Yes. You guys are weird. <laughs> what are yours, Michael? No, Singing in the Rain? Yes. Well, you know, you know what I just found out about the singing in the rain. Gene Kelly, when he did that uh, dance thing, he had like pneumonia. Yep. He was really, really ill. Oh yeah, no, the 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 guy was a beast. What he could do on camera was unlike anyone else. Okay, here go mine. Yes, uh, I'll ma- I'll go with the Shawshank Redemption. I'm not gonna watch the whole movie, but I'm like I'm gonna see where they are. Andy Dufresne was my friend. 
I will watch it a little bit. Uh, I will always watch The Matrix when it's on. Oh, yeah. The Matrix is the perfect movie in terms of structure and plot twists and uh, dark leather pants on hot chicks. <laughs> the last being the most important. Exactly. Holy smoke. If that uh, Carrie and Carrie Moss and Moss, what the hell? I don't even know her name. Carrie Ann Moss. Oh, good Lord. They, they, I tell you what, if there was trucks selling that outfit on every corner, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then every other corner, they would have to sell Princess Leia's slave outfit. <laughs> oh my God. Including the collar around the neck? Oh, Jabba Hall. That was my job of the hut. And the other, the other, uh, movie I would always watch is It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, now that, it, during the holidays, definitely. Yeah, but they don't play yeah. that all year, do they? No, that's definitely, I'll no, stop they don't. watch that they don't. every However, holiday. just fun to know fact, uh, Shawshank Redemption and It's a Wonderful Life, I both think they suffered from the same thing where they didn't re-up the copyright on it. So it just became a free-for-all and you could show it whenever you wanted just as a placeholder. It was, it's, like, it's like two hours of free TV. That is true for... It's a one for life, but for Shawshank, that's only true for Turner because they bought it at basically a bottom barrel price. So it's yeah. the cheapest thing that they can possibly run. But, you know, if it's another channel, they still have to pay top dollar for, I hope to see my friend again. I well, it's always, hand. it's always on Turner. It's always on TNT or Turner or whatever. Yep. Okay, so we've got that, uh, we've got that situated. We, we covered, uh, taco trucks on every corner. That is scary. Ka-ching. Not because we're racist or not because we're anti-taco, but like, I'm pro grilled cheese. I'm, I'm pro, uh, slider. I'm pro gyro. I like Love to have everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's the, here's, okay. So, Donald Trump goes down to Mexico. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's Donald talk Trump. About that. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was so cool. Hillary Clinton is MIA. Lord knows where that woman is. And Donald Trump goes down to Mexico, uh, and then people give him grief about it. What, what was the big problem with him going down there? I don't well, think there's no problem with him going down there. I, I, I mean, it it, 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 it didn't go particularly as well for him as I think he would have hoped is what people are commenting on. What do you mean? I think it went great. What went wrong? Uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing being, number one, he came out and said, we didn't discuss the wall. You know, he has the person in the room face-to-face who he says is going to pay for the wall. And then not only does he then say, we didn't talk about the wall, but afterwards, the Mexican president comes out and says, well, he's right. We didn't discuss the wall. I just told him I wasn't going to pay for it. That's right. That's fine. That's not, that, that, the Mexican president can say whatever he wants. You know, you're in his house. He's going to say, he has to say he's not going to build the wall. Like, how was like, did people really think that Donald Trump was like going to walk down there and walk down? (laughs) He's going to walk across the border because there's no wall. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he's not going to, he's not going to present the guy with a bill. Like, hey, yeah, you are going to pay for the wall. It was like a little diplomatic trip. He wanted to look presidential. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Well, I thought it was a good, a, a good attempt. I think again, you know, I would have been happier if he'd taken the press corps with him because that would have been typical. Um, instead of leaving them in Phoenix because, you know, 
That would be no. You gotta normal. ditch them. You gotta ditch them. They'll blow the whole thing. They'll blow the whole thing wide open. They would have started an international incident. You gotta ditch the press. No, no, board. no. I, I disagree with that. I think that it would have shown a big difference between him and Hillary Clinton because Clinton's under fire for her wait and do nothing strategy that she's been using while she's off raising money. I tell you what. When I was a little kid. I remember my dad wanting to watch boxing. Muhammad Ali was fighting somebody, uh, and I was all of like five or six years old. And Muhammad Ali had invented the rope-a-dope. Yep. The what? And he was just, he was getting clobbered. You can go back and watch Muhammad Ali. He had this style of fighting called the rope-a-dope, where he would just kind of put his hands up over his face, and like Joe Frazier or Larry Holmes or one of those dudes was just clocking him. Just His head was just bouncing around. You can see uh, where he got these traumatic brain injuries from. Oh and God, granted, that sounds horrific. Yeah, he won the fight. He won the fight, but he was permanently damaged. And that's what Hillary Clinton's doing now. She's doing this rope-a-dope style of presidential election, and it I don't think it's going to work out for her. I don't think she's going to win. And she is coming out brain damaged. Ha-ha! <laughs> Well, now. Yeah, and, and to be fair, what her, her rope-a-dope strategy is to raise a ridiculous amount of money, which is where she's been off doing. August, she raised $143 million. That's great. That is great. Because right now, and, and I've said it before on this very show, she has outspent Donald Trump like a million dollars to one. And he's right behind her. And in some polls, he's winning. He is the perfect example of conservative versus liberal. She is blowing through money like it's not hers, because it's not. And she's not getting any better results. She's not getting any better results. But what does it say if it works out for her and she wins? What does that say about Trump's strategy? You know what? I don't think she's going to win, dude. I really don't. Sometimes I have these, I, I get these, just this gut feeling that, and, and I'm, I'm hearing rumbles of it all over the street. I think there is a large group of people who are going to vote for Donald Trump, but they're afraid to say it out loud. It's like saying you like the Bee Gees. But why I am. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you be afraid, I mean, to say, oh, I love Hillary Clinton out loud, the woman who this week says I lost 13 blackberries, who this week, I mean, the last two weeks for her have been just deplorable. Right. Deplorable. I'm saying that. But if but if you say you if you if you come out and say that, yeah, yeah, I like Donald Trump. That's like saying, yeah, uh, I'm I identify as a racist. Yes, I, I want to round people up and put them into work camps. They've made supporting the Republican candidate so horrifying. Who was the dude who was just there's people on MSNBC and 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 uh, on NBC on Meet the Press literally saying Donald Trump is a psychopath like they're saying that. Well, and we've got people saying that Hillary Clinton is brain damaged and has these things all over her tongue. I mean, to me, the political discourse, and we've talked about this before. Has slow just got down, slow it. down, slow down. You hmm? cannot go on TV and just call somebody a psychopath. Well, you shouldn't, but you, you can. You can. We, we have freedom of speech in this country. You can say whatever you want. Oh, do we, Andrew? Yes. Do we? Okay. Yes. Then Hillary Clinton has herpes on her tongue, and she's a brain-damaged, addled old bitch. I disagree you with that. you. you. But you can say it. I just disagree All with right, you. All right. Now put me now put me on Meet the Press. Now put me on <laughs> MSNBC. Yeah, but you've got more street cred than all of those people, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. It was so bad, Chuck Todd had to try to shut the guy down. I guess well, and if the, Chuck Todd is trying to shut you up, that that's a big deal. 
I guess many years ago, it was it might have been during the Goldwater campaign, they had a couple of doctors come out, uh, like psychiatrists or psychologists, and just slander Barry Goldwater. Now, I don't even know. I, I'll be honest. I'm relatively new to this whole thing. I, I'm not familiar with the Barry Goldwater campaign. But it got the slander became so bad that the psychiatric community policed themselves and they took a, an oath saying that they would never do that again. They would never uh, try to diagnose someone that they had never met. So to have people go on TV and just go, yeah, Donald Trump, he's a psychopath. That's why I'm saying people are afraid to admit they support Donald Trump because you have everybody in the media going, uh, he's a, he's a psychopath, he's a racist, he's a Nazi, he's worse than Hitler, he's a sociopath, he's a pathological liar. So when somebody calls you up on the phone and they go, who are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote for Hillary? Yeah, it's the, like, I got shit to do. I have a job to go to. I don't want to have to, you know, say, yeah, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump and then sit around and describe why. Uh, yeah, I think your average ordinary citizen is going to go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with Hillary Clinton. I'm with her. Can I go now? Here's the, I, I actually, I take issue with that because I believe that by saying that, what you're implying is the people who openly support Donald Trump are either illegitimate or fearless. I, I, I think that they really have their reasons if they openly support Donald Trump, and that's okay. You're allowed to support whoever you think is best for this country openly. But to imply No, you're not. No, you're not. You absolutely are. Andrew, maybe by the rule of law, but society will shame you. I'm talking about the, the media and how they have successfully, to a large extent, painted Donald Trump as this walking, psychopath, half-demon, half-Hitler man, where the common person on the street, when when they take a poll, they don't want to, like, they just don't want to admit they're going to vote for Donald Trump. That's why I'm glad the voting is secret. I, I think there's a bunch of people who are going to secretly vote for Donald Trump, and that's how he's going to win. But wait, are they painting him? Is the media the ones who are painting him if that's his strategy as part of the art of the deal to get as much free media coverage as possible? Yeah, they're, they're totally painting him that way. They're totally painting that way, that, him that way. And the free media thing, that doesn't carry a lot of water because while they mentioned his name, it's usually followed by uh, psychopath or Hitler-esque or Nazi. Well, I mean, it's not like it's not like he got six billion dollars of free ads that was all blowing smoke up his ass. Well, during the primary, it, two billion dollars worth back when Mika and and Joe were carrying water for him, he did get a lot of free media during the primary that absolutely did have an impact on that outcome. Okay, but yeah. I, I mean, yes, and we all said when it gets to the general. This is going to change. And what happened? We get to the general, and Mika and Joe are slaughtering them every morning. I oh, mean, my this... gosh. That show is a riot. That show is an absolute laugh riot. I wish I could I, I wish I could get drunk in the morning because I would play the when's Mika going to cry game, and I would play <laughs> the uh, smug Joe game. That dude gets so smug. And I love it when they try to get something that's hysterical. When when the left tries to get something trending on Twitter <laughs> and they just suck at it. The other night, uh, when the Hillary Clinton email thing came out, I think it was uh Hillary's uh, or Clinton's memory was the hashtag. 
it was a riot. It was so much fun. And you just had all these people on Twitter just eviscerating Hillary. It was a riot. And there were so many great jokes. I'm laughing so hard. So many great jokes. And then after like 10 or 11 tweets, somebody would go, Clinton's memory's pretty good. She remembers serving this country, and people are going to remember Donald Trump saying this horrible thing. And it's like, nobody retweets it. Nobody favors it. It just doesn't well, matter. There's a, long, there's a long-standing tradition on Twitter, right? So the left will start some ridiculous hashtag, and the right will come in and totally co-opt it. I love it. And make fools of them, right? Yeah, but it goes I back and it. forth. So it, then the it's right gone both start ways. One, like Clinton's memory. Yeah. And every time they try to co-opt one that the right starts, their tweets are just so obviously, I'm so offended you would even do this, that it's yeah. actually quite hysterical. Yeah. It was so much fun. Flip yeah, side no. off this. You guys have to jump on that Twitter. That's We have a blast. No, we do. We do. We definitely do on that particular timeline, especially when you share things like you're listening to the Bee Gees. I'm just like, really, Michael, oh, stop sharing. Um, exactly. But no, we have 50% of the people in the United States going, I don't like either one of these folks. <laughs> you know, like, I don't feel good about either one of these candidates. You have third party candidates. Okay. Then people oh, say, well, Lord. if you don't, if you don't vote for one of these two, right? These people can't win. I think it would be fabulous if we had an electoral map with four colors in it. Just well, to kill the duopoly. Just to I kill it. I tell you what, every time I start to be like pro Gary Johnson, is that the dude's no, name? He does yep. something. He's a mess. He he, a he mess. is. Like we need to get a better candidate. I'm I am I don't like a two party system. I'd like multiple parties, but boy, that Gary Johnson, that's not the dude. I saw a clip of him being interviewed by Guy Benson. Guy Benson he lost he's his mind. <laughs> Guy Benson's going to be a guest on an upcoming episode of The Flipside in the TV show. Watch Yay. that show on, on YouTube America. Guy Benson's a good dude. I like that Very guy. Um, guy Benson uses illegal alien, and, and Gary Johnson just loses his mind. Just loses his mind. That's what disgraceful. You, you shouldn't use that kind of language. That kind of language. And Guy Benson, God bless him, he's just cool as a cucumber. Like, what part of illegal isn't true? I mean, it's a fact. If you enter a place illegally, you are illegal. Yeah, no. I mean, I'm just sitting there going, dude, A, calm down, and B, what are we now going to go to calling everyone undocumented immigrants? No, they're an not un undocumented. No, an undocumented worker. Oh, undocumented workers? But no, 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 no. Okay. They are Thanks. illegal immigrants, period. Yes. They crossed no. the border, which makes them an immigrant by definition, yes. and they did it without permission, which makes it illegal. Words mean things, and progressives always like to change the meanings of words. No, illegal immigrant, period. And and getting to the worker thing, this is kind of off track, but like there's little moments where, where candidates really give me the creeps. And when Hillary Clinton goes, there's still a lot of work to be done. We're doing good work. There's a lot of work to be done. It seems like something you would hear over a concentration camp loudspeaker. <laughs> okay, it can, really does. Can I just like, say this? Rise and shine. There's still a lot of work to be done. Be grateful, workers. Be grateful, workers. Took a little field trip, as we discussed. <clears throat> Went up to, uh, or down to, excuse me, Orlando with Americans for Prosperity. And there was a class on that, Michael, and it terrified me. Absolutely really? terrified me. Yes. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's let's set this up. You went to uh, the American for Prosperity, America Americans, Americans for Prosperity, AFP. Yes. And this is where this is where 
in Orlando. So we Who drove goes? through a hurricane to get there. Yes, we Who did. Who goes? Who goes to this event? And it's actually a nonpartisan organization that um, works towards economic freedom. So, for example, they are behind a lot of the push for right-to-work laws. You know, in Wisconsin, they've won about 20 of those battles in 20 different states. They do a gotcha. lot of focus on the state legislatures. Who and who they, crushed it down there? Who were you like, holy smoke, how come I haven't heard of this person? Um, well, I'd heard of her before, but I just love Anita Moncrief. She is uh, just... Anita? Anita who? Moncrief. She is the acorn whistleblower. So back in 2008, 2009, you were seeing her all over Fox News talking about the um, voter fraud and some other things that acorn was uh, behind. Yeah, let's not forget acorn. That, That was some dubious crap back then. Oh, man. And when you hear her talk about it, because she actually did a a presentation called Lessons from the Left, when you hear her talk about it as an African-American activist who was very involved in that organization, um, your eyes just you're going seriously. Those things actually happen. Wow. So so hit me with something. Shock me. Shock Uh, me. Well, she was talking about when voter fraud would be perpetrated and 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 things would go on. they would deliberately put the Afri- African Americans in those positions and then deny them. Oh, that's just a bad apple. Um, I don't understand. So, uh, walk so me through this. What she what she was saying is Acorn itself. If you looked at the leadership, it was mostly white. Okay. But they focused on the black communities, and when you were doing something where there was the potential to be caught, it was always the African American activists. Oh. That were in those positions. I got gotcha. you. So, so it's like a mob thing. The leader yeah, of the mob very, doesn't do the dirty work. He sends somebody expendable out. Right. The way she described it, <clears throat> it was a very deliberate thing. Now, she was part of this, and her perspective really changed when she became a mom. And, like, I don't I don't feel good about this anymore. And, um, you know, you can read her whole story. She's She's spoken publicly any number of times, but just a fascinating woman in terms of how she says, I understand Cloward Piven now. I understand Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals. And I was a victim of both of those things. And while it was happening, it felt really good because I was right. And if I'm right, you're wrong. You need to change. And she totally internalized that point of view. Yes. It's, she's, she's, when you hear her talk about it, it's just amazing. Well, that's, I don't think we're going to shock any of our listeners with, uh, rules for radicals. No. Hopefully people have, uh, become aware of that. That is, uh, extremely frightening. And so there was a, there was a swing, there was a swing and a miss by Ben Carson. Remember when he got in front of the Na- Republican National Com- Convention and he's like, Hillary Clinton, whose hero is Saul Alinsky. And I'm in my living room like, here we go, here we go. Saul Alinsky wrote Rules for Radical. I'm like, yeah, 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 here we go, here we go. And he dedicated it to Satan. And it's like, boy, oing, 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 oing. Like, why do you have to do that, guy? Why do you have, you're well, no, gilding you the lily. Want to, if you want to to look at something even more terrifying than Saul Alinsky, because when was Alinsky around in the 60s? Yeah. Right? So he was in the 60s, and then uh, Frank Marshall, you know, kind of was his 
protege and trained Barack Obama. But if you want to go and, and read about something even more terrifying, and I have to dig into this because I missed these classes in college. Um, I was doing business and things that could make money, so now I have to go figure out why the country's so screwed up. In 2008, a guy named Jerry Boyer in Forbes magazine, so good magazine, pretty well sourced, wrote an article called Barack Obama Fabian Socialists. And if you want to read about some really terrifying people, go read about the Fabians. Um, they were All right, somebody. Hold on, they, hold on, hold on. Who the read about the who's? The Fabians. Fabian Society. F A B I A N. Oh, Fabian? Like the, like, wasn't he like, like a... the singer. Uh, yeah, okay, he, the, he's, this was a school of thought that came out of Europe, and by the 1930s, it was here in the U.S. It was in some of our greatest institutes of higher learning and how to tear down the culture and replace it with government. And what people figured out is you couldn't do it. These were like the people who looked at Marx and said, yeah, that's a great idea, but revolution isn't the way to get there. You have to take a long march through the institutions of the country. Okay. Look at what has happened, education, Hollywood, government, the media, and, and kind of this historical timeline. It's absolutely terrifying, and it's deliberate. Okay. All right. So we have, I, I just have to write these down. Stacy, I love you. I love you so much. You've got, this is two weeks in a row. Uh, you've, you've come up with complete and total wonderful nuggets. The Fabian Society. We have to feature them on a, an upcoming episode of the flip side. Well, they're then, all dead, but they did some terrible things. We're going to do some deep, uh, daily show style research and put a piece together about mm-hmm. the Fabian Society. Yes, and how reg- and when the one you had from last week, how the people these regulations that the government is is doing, they're enforcing them like laws, and that of that course. is complete. The Fabian Society scares me down to my little uh my little my little toes, and regulations being forced as laws scares me down to the tips of my tippy tippy toes. Dude gets up at at the general session of AFP, takes the twenty six thousand pages of federal regulations that were issued last week last week 26,000 pages of regulation 26 of which were on how to make a fudge brownie and all of those have the force of law you can be fined if you don't comply with them and there was a lot of discussion about how all of this regulatory nonsense and these agency rules that are basically people trying to justify their existence right yeah because our agency thing is just, it's, is far too large. They hurt small businesses. They hurt people who don't have lawyers and attorneys and regulatory specialists who can go and figure out what all these things are and tell a small business what to do. And it, it helps the powerful, the privileged, you know, the people who, who can actually pay those people, those attorneys and, and other specialists to tell them, how do I make a fudge brownie and stay compliant with the federal government? Because, Stacy, there's work to be done. There's We're trying to, to do good work. There's mm-hmm. work to be done. Awaken, my minions. The work must be done. How can you possibly vote for Hillary Clinton under this this avalanche of bullshit? I'll tell you, Scott Walker spoke, Carly Fiorina spoke, and Marco Rubio spoke. And when Scott Walker How does Carly look in real life? I want to meet that Carly looks great. She's awesome. I will tell you, as far as the regulatory environment and how the government is now set up to support the powerful, the wealthy, and the connected, she tears that down in every single speech. It's on our our public timeline on Facebook. She did fabulous. 
I but love me the Carly Fiorina. Love me the Carly Fiorina. And when you listen to Scott Walker, who is also on your Facebook timeline, um, okay. I'm like looking at him and I'm like, where was this guy during the primary? He was you know fantastic. What? I'm sure Scott Walker is an incredibly nice guy. And this is, this is the Hollywood person in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the, uh, who should we cast in this role person? Like, uh, unfortunately, uh, the last couple shows I've written on, I've been in a, a position where I get to help out with the casting a little bit. Right. Scott Walker's never going to be president. Oh, I, but when you, li- like, this Ted time? Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, never going to be president. No, he's too preachy. Yeah. Marco Rubio could be. I tell you what, if he could get that mouth thing taken care of, I don't know what that is, but. What? He's got that, he's got, his his mouth is always dry. He's always licking his lips and rubbing his mouth, and it's like. Did he just come back from a rave? <laughs> <laughs> Your hair isn't that good if you're dropping Molly every weekend, Michael. Dropping Molly. Dropping Drop Molly. Molly. I like how I like how Andrew's quiet for like 35 minutes and then he's like dropping Molly. He comes in like Dennis Miller. Your hair isn't that good when you're dropping Molly. Chachi, bang bang. <laughs> I would be I lucky something. to have facial hair as good as Dennis Miller. I uh I, I like the I like the Marco Rubio. Is he going to win his Senate seat? Oh, he better. We have to win every Senate seat we have and get Nevadas. Oh my goodness! Well, we can do it. Harry Reid is retiring. No, Toomey and I out are going to lose. But we got Harry Reid. That guy's dirty. That guy's dirty. Oh my dirty. god! He is just he is like evil personified. He really is. Harry Reid. Okay, we're gonna have to. We're gonna. We're, I'm thinking about new segments for the flip side. I really want to open it up uh, in the third season coming up. Maybe we should just do a segment on these people give me the creeps. That would be awesome. But you know what I think we should do? We should have like a flip side Loftus party field trip, and we should go throw a massive retirement party for Harry Reid, like on the mall. You know what? I don't we even want to give him that. I don't even no, want to give that dude him. that. We should roast him. No, no. It's like, I just want him to disappear like Nosferatu, you know? <laughs> you want him to like, run into another You expose him. You expose Harry Reid to sunlight. He dissolves into a big pile of ashes and lies and half-truths. And then you go, the world has been cleansed of Nosferatu. <laughs> That's great. I'm not going to celebrate that dude until he is gone, till he is long gone. Like I said, just put him on another treadmill. So what's this Anita chick going to do next? What's next up for her? Oh, she works for AFP. She trains, she develops training for um, activists on the right, teaches them all the tools of the trade she learned on the left, um, teaches them how to reframe the message, how to, how, uh, she's just she's Reframe awesome. the message? How do you reframe the message? You reframe the message if you're an activist on the ground in your state working on state stuff, um, you know, by making it personal for people. So they have this horrid thing going on in Colorado where Colorado wants to develop a single-payer health system. Yeah. Like their own in the state. It's going to raise taxes on individuals in Colorado 10%. They will have the highest state tax. This is where you and I differ because I say let them, let the state be a breeding ground and figure out if it actually works and if it fails it miserably. Work, and that's the Look thing. At Canada. Let the, then let the country see that. Let but the there's con- people in Colorado, Andrew, who don't want to increase their income tax in Colorado of 10% and have the highest 
personal income tax at the state level in the nation. There's people in Colorado who don't want the government in charge of their health care. They'll toke and up so- and get over it, Stacey. Hmm? Yeah, hold up, hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, you whoa. guys, you guys are both right. You are both right. And here's the wonderful thing about having 50 states and Puerto Rico. Somebody's got to take one for the team. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to. T- Somebody has to take the hit. And if it's going to be Colorado, then I'm just going to get up every morning and thank God I don't live there. But maybe Colorado has to go to single payer and just watch that whole state go down the shithole. And then we'll know it doesn't work. It's miserable. Let people vote with their feet. It's a great state. I love Colorado. Denver's awesome. gorgeous. Mm -hmm. However, people will leave that state in droves. Yep. And it just won't work out. And we can have it as a big shining example of horse shit and we'll never make that mistake again. And the, and the other states will march happily on. Alternately, people in Colorado who disagree with it and have great stories to tell about why they disagree with it. Okay. In terms of choice and, and other things, right? I want to be able to pick my doctor. I don't want 21 unelected bureaucrats telling me what doctor I can go to. If you can yeah. make those arguments and flip it around to something that the left loves, which is choice, right? Choice. Everybody can have a choice. You can be an yeah. artist because we have Obamacare, right? So if you can flip that narrative and use a value that is common across the political spectrum, then you can actually convert people who might look at that and say, yay, and go, well, wait a minute. No, I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my family. And so that's what Anita teaches. But again, alternately, people in Colorado can go, no, we're not going to vote for this. Which well, I think I don't know. I don't know exactly what Anita's doing, but all of these people need to catch up to me. They need to catch up to us. They need mm-hmm. to catch up to the flip side. Cause like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to message the system and we've come up with a pamphlet. And when we hand these out in the inner cities, barf, poop, piss, mm-hmm. no one gives a shit. Hey, Michael, I spent a lot of time photoshopping that pamphlet. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. You know how people need to frame the ar- uh, the argument against a nationalized health care? How's that? Plastic surgery. You know what? I, oh, and um, you could learn a lot from a titty. You could learn a lot from a titty. Oh my God. When people get plastic surgery and they can shop around for different plastic surgeons, the price goes down. The surgeries get better. It's more affordable. There's no, there's no jobs in fake titties everywhere. And we should celebrate that. And if you had that same kind of choice with other healthcare providers, the cost would come down and the efficiency would go up. LASIK surgery is another great example. LASIK is another great one. Used to that's be five thousand dollars an eye, and now it's two hundred and ninety. So that's what they need. They need. They need line. posters of women who've had LASIK, nose jobs, and implants, and that will ch- change the you hearts know, and know, minds of know, American voters. You know what was great? They should. There's a there's an organization affiliated with AFP called Generation Opportunity, which is made up of people between the ages of 18, 18 and thirty four. That's really the target for this. They oh, did God. an anti Obamacare ad and it's a woman going in for her annual checkup right and the doctor goes or the the person brings her in gets her all set up and goes okay the doctor will be right in and then she's in the stirrups and this really creepy uncle sam stands up oh my god it's terrifying that was such a horrible ad no we we we, we cannot we cannot celebrate that ad michael i I don't know if you've seen this ad ad. but it was i have not i have not seen the ad but here's all here's here's up all I know, 
whenever somebody comes out with an ad that's going to target the 18 to 35 demographic, I automatically hate it. I automatically hate it. And here's why. They tried to target a demographic. Just stop. But Just I'm you, I'm stop. 43. I'm 43 and that, that ad cracked me up. That's great. Uh, unfortunately, you're not in the demographic. You but cannot, you listen, you cannot target a demographic. I, I deal with it in television uh, on an epic level and I'm dealing it with it in politics. All you can do is try to be a good person and be cool, right? And then people turn around and they go, this is, this is for, for politics, by the way. If you're a good person and you're somewhat cool in your life and you treat people fairly and you have some success, people go, whoa, that guy's a Republican? Oh yeah, he is. Holy smoke. Maybe there's something to this. With a comedy, uh, with a situation comedy on TV, you cannot target a demographic. All you can do is try to put out the funniest thing you know. Now, if, if young people like it, if the 18 to 35 year olds like it, well, then that's a bonus. But you are doomed to fail. And, and I've learned this from, from, from a, as being a stand up comic. You are doomed to fail. Once you say, we're going to target this demographic, uh, age wise, <laughs> next, you just shit the bed. Can I tell you something that I, I read this week that I'm just like so freaking happy about? Yes. Okay. I don't know what demographic they're targeting, but it was announced. That former Texas governor, Rick Perry, is going to be on Dancing with the Stars, and I think that's awesome. Well, I mean, good for him. He's got to do something. It makes me kind of sad for the guy. I hope he does great. I hope he does really well. I'm, I not, like I'm saying showing that a former Republican governor can just, okay, we all know white guys can't dance, but, but. He's going out there doing something that is likely to result in self-depreciation and laughter and other things just Wait for the heck minute. of it. I think that's awesome. Roll it back a little bit. You just said something and you you kind of thought you'd just blow right by it. We all know why guys can't dance. White guys can't dance. Oh, Stacy. Stacy, not true. Serious. I'm hurt. I, oh I'll God. tell you I'll tell you something right now, Stacy Lennox. I'm a great dancer. I want you to dance on the show then. I will totally dance on the show. You got to do some kind of like, you know, musical number because I will tell you, I will tell you one of my favorite things that I've seen you do is the 1812 rap. I lost it. That was fun. That I was did, first, fun. I didn't know you could sing. I can sing. I can dance. I, and here's something fun. Like, and I, I was thinking about this in the shower well, today. Rapped. Like, that I was have, awesome. I have to be, I have to be upfront with all my weirdness. That way, when the flip side goes to the next level and people are trying to find dirt on me, I can go, well, I've already talked about that on the podcast. I already <laughs> talked about that on the podcast. <laughs> all right. So next week, it's going to be an entire hour of Michael just airing all of his dirty laundry weirdness. No, 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 no. no. Why in that Andrew, freak flag? Hold on. I have, I, I actually went down that road too in my mind. But if I have one episode that's just dedicated to all the freaky shit I do, then it'll make their job easier. They scroll through the podcast and they go, oh, here's the one where he admitted everything. No, I'm going to make these fuckers suffer. They're going to have to sift through every episode. <laughs> oh, just, well, you've already talked about your weird Megyn Kelly fantasies. Yes. So, so was, I'll, just, I'll, say, I'll say this on the record. When I was going to the Ohio State University uh, for a theater, one of the things that we had to do was uh, take uh, dance classes. And yes, for a very brief uh, moment in my life, I was part of a modern dance company. I was a uh, professional dancer. Really? 
Yes, I was a I was a paid dancer, and it was it was this modern dance company. I lasted like uh, maybe two months. But and not because you couldn't dance, because it drove you nuts. Oh my lord! Let me say <laughs> this to all the single fellas out there: mm-hmm. uh, if you are inclined to meet some dancers and have a wonderful time, get in a dance company. <laughs> join. Amen. Join, wow. join, join. Cause a lot of, a lot of fellas in the dance company aren't interested in the ladies. And, and when you are that one dude who is into them, oh boy, oh boy. Those were good times. I look back fondly. <laughs> that was the best yeah. two months of Michael's life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want to say kid in a candy store. I want to say it, but it was, I, it was a, it, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Okay, yeah. we have di- we have digressed, but yeah, I'm sure there's a picture out there somewhere. Some somebody has it, and and we'll be the number one show on television, and people will be like, I can't believe this guy actually talks about conservative stuff and libertarian stuff, and 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 we laugh. He was in a leotard. Yeah, and like, oh my gosh, here he is wearing a thong and lifting a girl up over his head, and I'll be like, yeah, I talked about that on the podcast. <laughs> Dance belt. Wow. And okay. On that note. Yes, that is a, uh, but you know what? Lifting a girl up over your head? Easier than you think. Well, yeah, when she's a dancer and she weighs 110 <laughs> she like pounds. She pounds, yeah. It's like, th- there she's trying to help you. That's right, they do. They do the run and the jump and then you just do the hips and then you extend your arms, you lock those elbows, you're good to go. I Modern know. dance is a joke, by the way. Modern dance is like, I, I couldn't do it. Like, I hate hypocrisy, and I could no longer be a hypocrite. It was horrible. Modern dance is an absolute joke. For every five million modern dances that are choreographed, one is is worthy of not just vomiting right in your seat. I, I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on the image of you and Carly Fiorina recreating the final scene from Dirty Dancing. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. That would be great. Boxer. I would go. I would, you know what? I would do it with Carly. I would probably, I might drop Barbara. <laughs> but yeah, me and me and That's, Carly could do that. Nobody puts Carly in a corner. Yeah, I, 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 I really don't want to live in Andrew's head now. No. It's a fun place. We're having fun on this show. I want to talk about this. Like Mike Huckabee was on Fox recently, and he had, I think it's probably like an old truism or an old saying from uh, politics. But, like, Donald Trump can't win for losing. You know, Mike Huckabee, I I like this because it was very Southern, and I like that stuff. He goes, Donald Trump could walk across the Rio Grande, and the press would say, Donald Trump can't swim. (laughs) And it's like they're not going to let him do anything right, anything. He goes to Mexico. He goes to Mexico, and I'm sure he knew everybody was going to freak out. So then he comes back that day and goes to Arizona and he puts everybody's mind at ease by giving a speech. And somehow they have turned it into a bad thing. Well, this is what the commentary is, and I, I actually happen to agree with this. There was a difference in his tone between what we got in Mexico and what we got in Arizona. And the people who are saying Trump is never going to pivot are concerned that he is pivoting. And the people who want him to pivot were frustrated that he went right back to the person that he had always been when he went to Arizona. He, it, I think both things track. 
He goes to Mexico and he says, hey, we're going to work with you guys because the drug traffickers and all this stuff, we both want to end that. And then to set people's mind at ease, he goes back to Arizona and he gives them the classic Trump speech, the classic Trump speech, which is now elevated to such a level, it is a show. It's fantastic to watch. It is a show. It's like he's a comic. It's like he's a, and I'm not saying he's comedic. I'm saying like, like a really good live act. He knows what's going to work well. And it's wild to see it reach this level where now he just has to look out at the audience and say, are you ready? Are you ready? And they start cheering because they know what's next. Are you ready? Are you ready? We will build a wall. And it's like, it's like poetry. It's like he's doing his greatest hits and the audience goes nuts. I want to put together a clip of the first time he said that on TV. I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay. You can believe it. And then show him like halfway through the process going, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to build a wall. Yep. And Mexico's going to pay. And then he starts doing shtick where he's asking the crowd, who's going to pay for it? Mexico. Who's going to pay? Mexico. And now this last week in Arizona, it is the ultimate theater. And I dig it so much. Andrew, you've got to play the clip. We will build a great wall along the southern <laughs> border. Ah, they all just go crazy. They just go crazy. We will build a great wall along the southern border. Rah! It's like the Beatles do when I want to hold your hand in Shea Stadium. That's like all he has to do. In a couple months, in a couple months, I guarantee, he'll just have to come out and just go, wall. We, don't, we only <laughs> have a couple months, though. We oh, only have got till November till, he's 8th, got and I think. November. He's I, got till well, November. By Halloween, Stacy. By Halloween, he'll Come just on. go, wall. <laughs> he'll have it reduced to one word. I don't disagree with you for the people that go to his rallies, but the, the point that Andrew made is there's another contingent out there that wants him to soften that tone a little bit. That's what do you, closer what to part, the middle. What part do you want him to soften? Hmm? Hey, listen, I, I was never a big fan of, like, I'm going to have a police force that runs around saying, hmm. are your papers in order? That was never going to happen. I'm not a big fan of a physical wall. I, I think there's 10 million other things we could do first that would have a lot more impact. But, I mean, listen, I'm saying I, I, I get the people that want a wall. It is a visual thing. I, I get it. I totally get it from a policy perspective because I'm a wonk. I get it. I'm a wonk. Most people what's aren't. What's a wonk? What's a wonk? I'm a policy wonk. Like, I read a lot about this stuff. I read a lot about what the Border Patrol wants. I, I read a lot of stuff. So I'm a policy wonk. People, Most people don't read to the level of detail I do. So I have an objection Ooh, to that. My name's Stacy, and I read policy. No, no, no. In, no, no, no. in Michaeltopia, we celebrate people who read policy. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I'm being honest. I, there is a, there is a, a, I totally get the attraction to the wall for people who don't do what I do. I realize I'm weird. I, I'm flying my freak flag now. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, I'm not at, like when he says, we're going to build a great wall. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I, I personally don't care. That doesn't make me like, oh, yay. Cause it just, to me, there's 300 other things that would be so it's much a symbol. more effective. It's the hold on. It's a hold symbol. On. The, whole but thing, it's a, the whole thing it's is a, a symbol that he hasn't billion changed. Dollar symbol. It's just as simple. By saying it, he's saying he hasn't changed. 
It's a, it's a wonderful metaphor for I'm still the guy you voted for, right? It's so like Pocahontas. I totally agree with you. And for the 40% of Republicans and others who voted for him in the primary, that's a great message. For the other 60%, there's some things they're looking for. And if he keeps just playing to that audience that cheers, you know, it's going it, to have it's the not closest bode well election ever. One of his little confidants buddies is uh, Rudy Giuliani. Mm-hmm. who has plans for a, and I'm going to put it in air quotes, a wall, uh, which is high tech. It's this, that, and it's the other thing. Uh, I believe that's the wall that we're going to end up with. I think that's uh, the wall we should end up with. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what the Border Patrol wants. It's like people decide, and it's how this is actually perfect because it's how we started, and, and now it's how the podcast uh, will end. It's like the taco truck, taco truck on every corner. I'd be into a taco truck on every corner. So, oh, I'm going to take it literally. And, oh, maybe it was a metaphor. So let's, let's get our, let's get our metaphorical shit straight. Now, shall we do some Michael Topias? Stacy, do you have Michael Topias? Oh, yeah. I found mine in the driveway last night. <laughs> All right. I think we got to start with that one, actually. Wait a minute. I just want to celebrate that sentence. Do you have Michael Tobias? Yeah, I found mine in the driveways last night. That was like very, that was very real. That was very honest and wonderful. Okay. And Michael Topia, when your youngest child buys his first car. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They were literally in your driveway? Okay. Let me finish. In Michael Topia, when your youngest child buys his first vehicle, you don't find out when you're cruising into the driveway coming home from a business trip at 4 a.m. Okay, there's a story here. You, you painted a little bit of a picture. What happened? I came home because this was a, a an arranged bus trip. So I was on a big luxury bus with other people interested in going to this conference. And we drove back from Orlando, arrived in my neck of the woods about 4 a.m. in the morning, drove home half blind because I was so freaking tired because I couldn't sleep on the bus. Yeah. And I drove into my driveway and there's a car I don't recognize. Bum, bum, bum. And I'm like, what in the hell? <laughs> and so I drive in, I stumble, I go to bed, I wake up this morning. I'm like, where did that car come from? <laughs> my son goes, I bought it. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so, get it now. I'm a little slow. I thought this was going back to, cause you were saying earlier, like you, you put your glasses on your head and you lose them and you can't find your car keys and your husband did the thing with the tile and all this stuff. I literally thought that you had like a notebook or some notes written down that you left in the driveway. No. But no. you were, ha ha, ha ha, shame on me. You were using the metaphor. I was. Exactly. I See, I need to go to metaphor school. Yep. I'm sorry. I, I like literally drive in and what the hell <laughs> wake up in the morning. You did what? That had to be yeah. spooky coming home and finding a strange car. Well, then you wonder the what you're going to find in your house. Yes. That's, that's a good Michael Topia. That's a good Michael Topia. Andrew Apple. What do you got, buddy? In Michael Topia, banks are not allowed to try to get you to get a student loan by diminishing the arts. This week, Wells Fargo decided that it would be a good time to put out an ad campaign to get people to go to school by saying things like, an actor today, a botanist tomorrow. A ballerina today, a botanist tomorrow. (laughs) Don't do that. So Wells Fargo is crushing people's dreams? Yeah. Wells Fargo, dream crushing since 1897. Okay. Yeah, we don't do that. 
don't do that. Don't do that, Wells Fargo. And hey, well, as long as we're on the banks, uh, in Michaeltopia, banks don't tell me they're going to give me $500 free cash. And then you open up and you see the fine print. You're like, after you deposit $25,000, like, wait a second. <laughs> that's, that's like false advertising. You're not giving me anything. Uh, that's a horrible Michaeltopia. Here's this, this one's a little better. Uh, in Michaeltopia, when you do a Comedy Central roast, you have to roast the person who is on stage. I guess in the recent R- Rob Lowe roast, uh, Ann Coulter was there and everybody went after Ann. I, I, I can't wait to see this thing. I don't like to watch the Comedy Central roasts, but I just want, it sounds like they're like, yeah, Rob Lowe, you're here as well, but there's Ann Coulter and some of the wonderful jokes, some of the comedic gems, some of these wonderful artists of the English language invented jokes such as Ann Coulter, I wish you would die. Uh, I mean it, die. That's a joke, right? Isn't that, shouldn't we just celebrate that? I cannot wait to see this Comedy Central roast. Well, to be fair, while nobody should say that anyone else should die, these roasts always take shots at everybody who's on the panel. Like, Chris D'Elia took more shots at Jeff Ross than Justin Bieber, and Justin Bieber was the one being roasted. How well, here's the not, problem. How, I mean, there's so many shots you could take at Justin Bieber. I mean, how do you run out of those? Here's the problem. Someone at Comedy Central is in charge of the roasts, and they've gone, they've gotten completely out of hand. I would invite everybody. My dad loved these things. My dad loved the original roasts with Dean Martin. Oh, yeah. Those were classic. And you know why they were classic? Because the people on the dais were all famous, and they knew each other, and they would hang out with each other, and they could tease one another. Like, John Wayne could give Jimmy Stewart shit because they were both movie stars. But when you have some guy who's like a struggling middle act from fucking Poughkeepsie, who go, goes on stage and says, hey, Ann Coulter, you should kill your... Like, who are you? Who are you? And it's well, like... they just not it, funny. They did it at the Joan Rivers roast, too. And Joan, God bless Joan Rivers. Love today Joan. today is the second anniversary of her passing. Mm-hmm. And Joan Rivers, Joan. she called him out. When they did when they did the uh, Comedy Central roast of Joan Rivers, she looked over at some... I don't even remember who it was. Some no-name wannabe celebrity. And Joan was like, who are you? Whose dick did you have to suck to get in here? And it was wonderful. <laughs> if I remember awesome. correctly, actually, I think that might have been Amy Schumer. That's uh, awesome. You know what? It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't Schumer. It was some dark-haired girl. Hmm. Who? Who? Um. And she had her own. She had her own show for a heartbeat on NBC. Anyway, Comedy Central, get oh. your acts together. Whitney Cumming. Mean, w- yeah. Yeah. It was her. She's but so Joan famous. just I've looked over and was like, whose dick did you suck to get in here? It was perfect. Awesome. I love me some Joan. Yeah. So you have to roast the person. You have to be on equal footing uh, with the person being roasted, and you have to roast that person. You have to get creative. And and this also, uh, we were talking right before we got started about uh, the night when I was doing stand-up uh, many moons ago down at the uh, Melrose Improv, a wonderful comedy club. I love it and I miss it. But like comic after comic was just going on stage going, boy, George Bush, I wish he was dead. Somebody should kill. And it was like, and people were laughing and applauding. I'm like, that's not even a a joke. You're not even, I mean, like somebody might be able to say it like occasionally and get a laugh with that. But just when you've reached the level of, it's just uh Bill Hicks famously, famously did a bit where he goes, uh, if you're in advertising 
And if you're an advertising, uh, an, an advertising executive, do me a favor, kill yourself, kill yourself. And now you're, you're probably thinking, oh, this is very smart. Bill's going after the anti-advertising crowd. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, kill yourself. Oh, I see what he's, he's doubling down on. And it's a very, 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 very funny bit because he's talking about people who go after demographics and advertisers, uh, blah, blah, blah. But you just can't go on stage and go, Hey, Ann Coulter, kill yourself. And I, and I bet it got applause. I bet it got applause. And that is a sad, sad state of affairs in America. That is bad commentary. I'm not going to be nearly as intellectual on my next one. <laughs> You're a policy wonk, I'm and go- I love I'm going to be the anti-wonk right now. No. In a- Michaeltopia. Uh-oh. No state legislature ever is allowed to legislate about flatulence. Just, you can't. Oh, is this the cow thing? This is the cow thing. Okay, all right, we're, we're going over, and God bless you, Andrew, you're going to have to... Cut some stuff out of this. Oh, no. We're having a supersized Loftus Party podcast this week. We need all of this. Okay. What what was going on with the cow farts where they're trying to regulate them? Basically, they're trying to – if you don't know, if you don't know. Way back when I was a kid, remember the hair, Aquanet and the CFCs? Yeah. You know, that destroyed the ozone. So everybody said, stop using CFCs. They're bad. Yeah. And so that was an actual thing, and the ozone has actually healed itself. So we did do some really smart stuff. But now, on the questionable science around climate, they're saying methane gas, which a cow fart is loaded with, apparently. It um, is. As are landfills and food waste, um, has some terrible effect on climate. Now, I know how it affects, like, a drive through the country. It's gross. But I don't get the tie to climate. Cows have been farting for however long cars have, cows have been around. Yeah. Right? And, but how and do you, but I'm, too. so they're, what are they going to do? About, are they going to have, are they going to have like federal people coming around and, and measure the, uh, the amount of methane in the air? Their, it has to do with their diet, how much they're fed of this versus that, that lets them make, makes them less gassy. They're trying to take down methane emissions by 2030 from where they are today to 30% well, less. There's no way, there's no way. literally debated cow farts and literally passed legislation. Well, that's just a way to go after cattle farmers because there's no way cows have four stomachs because they eat grass and their digestive system. There is nothing you can do about it. You can talk about, oh, if we change their diet, but no, cows are going to burp constantly and they are going to fart constantly because of their, their stomach has four chains. There's nothing you can do about it. So all of this is, is just a way to go after cattle farmers. There's a great thing on the dose today. It won't be there tomorrow, but you can always go down about how some gourmet ice cream thing in Cal, in uh, New York City, maybe you want to go try it, Michael, um, yeah. is, is now offering bug toppings because they want you to try bugs because they're a great source of protein that apparently doesn't fart. And, um, two billion people in the world eat them. I tell you what, uh, it's good. We're, we're, we're a couple steps away from Soylent Green. They're going to keep trying to make uh, crickets and larvae be more appealing. Oh, yeah, we roasted these crickets, and isn't it crickets, crickets, and larvae, and mealworms, and blah, blah, blah. Literally. It's a uh, mealworm on the site today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. They've been trying to push this mealworm cricket agenda for a long time. Isn't it's that repulsive. They're using it as a topping for ice cream. Yeah. That's not that allowed in Michaeltopia. 
All right. We had a lot of fun today. It was a, it was a action packed, supersized episode that we're going to have to, uh, take another look at. <laughs> but I tell you what, I had a blast. I always do. Um, guys, uh, Andrew, what do you got going on? Ah, well, as always, you can find me over at SoFreshSoPrince.com, where my buddy Lorenzo and I are talking comedy, 90s, uh, a lot of Sherman Hemsley, and uh, if you go this week, then uh, you get to hear about Oprah. Really? Yeah, Oprah was the guest yeah. star on this week's uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that episode that we covered, so we, oh, we had wow. to talk a lot about Oprah and got into a little bit of uh, Queen Sugar, and then we, we always end up talking about this hypothetical Fresh Prince reboot that may or may not end up happening. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. All right, Stacy, what do you got going on? Well, this week you will start seeing, hopefully, Knockwood, my byline at the Daily Surge, right over there with Jason Matera and his organization. Because I'm a policy wonk, I do opposition research for candidates, and this week is Rhode Island. Fantastic. <laughs> Rhode Island, yeah, not a not a not a really exciting place. Rhode Island with its three electoral votes. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, but business, economics, labor, and education will be my topics over at the search. That's Policy great. Long. Number one, are you ready? Are you ready? You gotta head on over to theloftestparty.com. Please check that out. Go to the our YouTube page. Give us some stars. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Head over to iTunes. My goodness. Rate us there. Say a little something. Send me a message of love. I will appreciate it. Your comment section. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I am so ready. We will build a great wall along the southern border. <laughs> that just kills me. Every single time. That's the show. Go to our YouTube page. Go to theloftestparty.com. Check us out on iTunes. And please, if you could, click on a couple of those stars. In a perfect world, five. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time.